With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey there, welcome back to another edition of the HN Mailbag Podcast. This is your host, Rob Howe, publisher of HawkeyeNation.com. I thank you guys for joining me once again after a one-week hiatus uh, to give us all a chance to kind of figure out how we're going to navigate this coronavirus shutdown. And uh, so I'm back. It's um, Wednesday, March 25th. Just a shade before clear, three o'clock Central Time, three p.m. Central Time. I'm not up at three in the morning, um, but wanted to get to the questions you guys had for me. Um, uh, I opened it up to our HN uh, Hawkeye Nation Facebook page this week too, because uh, I know a lot of folks are doing other things, occupied by more important things, but hopefully. The content we're producing at Hawkeye Nation, both written uh, and audio, like these podcasts, give you guys a little bit of an escape during a rough time for everybody in the world um, while this pandemic has hit us hard and taken sports away from us. So we're trying to do our part here to give you guys a bit of an escape uh, from the daily. And uh, I do have two more podcasts coming up this week that I recorded yesterday on Tuesday, March 24th, the Hawkeye History Podcast with former Iowa receiver Ed Hinkle. Um, And then I recorded a prospect podcast with incoming linebacker recruit Jay Higgins from Indianapolis. So look for those here in the next couple of days. I'll probably um, post the Hinkle on Thursday, the 26th. And then the Higgins either Friday or Saturday of this week. So a couple of uh, more podcasts for you guys. If you're out getting walks <laughs> like I do, uh, I'm walking with my wife daily. Sometimes the kids join us. Uh, we've kind of settled into a routine of uh, homeschooling this week from nine to noon. Then we have lunch. Then we exercise. Then we kind of get back to doing some work in the afternoon and the kids kind of catch up with friends on their uh, social media feeds and text and what have you. But uh, hopefully you guys are all finding this uh, rough time, a time to connect as families and getting through this. Okay. I know 
we're a lot more fortunate than a lot of others. And I'm thankful for that. But um, hopefully you all are doing the best you can and we'll get through this together. And hopefully we're, we're moving towards uh, a college football season because that would be a bummer if we didn't have that in the fall. So uh, let me move to some questions here. Let's start with Twitter. Cause I think I only got two Twitter questions this week, which uh, I don't know if that's a commentary on what people think of my answers or people are just, as I said, occupied with more important things. Uh, but Joe Williams, Iowa fan Williams uh, tweets, do you think there will be a noticeable difference in quality of play of college football next season without spring practice? And it looks like uh, Iowa spring practice is a no go. I don't know if they will give programs more time in the summer uh, for development, uh, I would hope so. Um, if you know the Iowa schedule, May is a big in-person. Coaches are on the on uh, on the road recruiting in May. This is traditionally. I'm not talking about what we're going through now. Uh, then June, they have a, they have uh, camps, prospect camps on campus. And Doyle, Coach Chris Doyle, the strength and condition, excuse me, strength and conditioning coach at Iowa, trains. Uh, the current members of the team during much of of June. July is more of a relaxed month, a lot of uh, seven-on-seven and stuff that players get together and do themselves. And then we go to Chicago with Coach Ferentz and some players and have Big Ten meetings. And then August is camp. I'm wondering in July if they may either extend camp to give some extra developmental time um, or maybe try to slip it in in June. I'm not sure. if they They could break it up. There's time if things get back. Uh, to where we uh, can condense the social distancing, so to speak, when it comes uh, when it comes summertime. But we'll have to see how that goes. But yes, without spring practice, Joe, I, I think there would be, uh, especially for a program that Iowa that you know just is so dependent on development. I think losing 15 spring practices is is really rough, um, and I'll be interested to see how that changes the landscape if at all when you look at like more blue blood programs that have more ready-made recruits uh if it gives them an advantage so we'll kind of have to see if that plays out but i can't see anything positive coming from not having spring practice outside of the fact uh of not spreading the coronavirus which is the reason why it is canceled uh verse 165 on twitter at verse 165 tweets at me what can you tell us about the proposed wrestling facility if you folks haven't heard uh it's called the i believe it's the carver circle uh the uh, it's a a new wrestling facility campaign that they launched uh and was approved by the regents back in early february uh to go ahead They, they got approval from the regents to go ahead with uh the planning of this facility. So it's not being built yet. They're in the planning phase uh, and they're still raising money. The project uh, has received around $9 million. I I forget the total that they're going for, but they're still in the process of raising money for this. And this facility will be a training workout practice facility that complements Carver Hawkeye arena. Um, if you've ever been over to the wrestling room, it's nice. Uh, 
but this will be something that catches Iowa up with some of its competitors around the country. Um, and it will be built set in the southern part of Carver. If you guys are familiar with that, there's some big boulders out there that were left out after the original construction of Carver. And there's trees to the south uh, before you hit Hawkins Drive. And then, you know, across the street is the, the baseball field. But in that area is there where they're planning on uh, building um, this facility and it'll be a as I said, it'll be a compliment to Carver Hawkeye arena. So just kind of, if you want uh hawkeye slash Carver circle, uh, you can go to that website and they will keep you up to the updated on the development there uh, and the progress they're making in terms of fundraising and planning. And then eventually when they're able to um, begin construction on that facility, but that'll be cool. And uh will help a resurgent Iowa wrestling program becoming become even more viable and more attractive to the top wrestlers in the country. So that was it on Twitter. Let's hit Facebook next because that's a, a new addition here, and then I'll hit the Hawkeye Nation message board for questions. Uh, let's see here. The first question, I, I don't know if these are in chronological order, and if they're not, I apologize, but Joe I'm going to butcher your last name, Joe, and I apologize. Gierdratus? Gierdratus? You'll have to correct me on that next time. Go on Facebook and give me, uh, you know, the phonetic spelling of your name. Uh, Gierdratus. Gierdratus. I'm going to go with that for now. Any word on whether seniors will get another year of eligibility and allow more scholarships so incoming freshmen don't lose their scholarship? Um, and Deb Schuster said that would be nice to know. Um, Jeff Myers chimed in with winter sports will not get additional year. They played their season summer and spring will get additional year. This has been reported by multiple sources. Uh, that is not the case, Jeff. Uh, they're, they're still work. The NCAA is still reviewing that um, and how that will work out. Uh, the plan is to give them an extra year, but the logistics of that will not happen until uh, I believe the last day of this month, March 31st or March 30th, they're going to have a report on that, uh, what they've decided. I'm not sure they'll have a complete plan in place and they really don't need to uh, right away. I think they have a little bit of more time to work with this and it'll be interesting to see if some of those spring athletes will want to come back. Baseball players that uh, can go into the draft, they may want to stay in the draft and not come back. So, um, you know, and, and there may be, you know, players in other sports that have graduated uh, that uh, want to move on with their life. And, uh, you know, that was their plan, whether it be, who knows, a residency or something of that nature. So still open. And but if you're going to allow seniors to come back, you need to expand the scholarship limit to allow freshmen to come in. You can't tell the freshmen, Hey, sorry, your scholarship's gone after they've signed uh, and made plans to come to given universities. Um, but yeah, unfortunately the winter sports are going to be out with, you know, out of luck. So guys like Ryan Creener, um, you know, Pat Lugo for wrestling guys like that are going to be out of luck. And it's really unfortunate that their seasons came to an end. A lot of that trickles down to the high school level. Um, and just, you know, students at the University of Iowa, they've called off in-person graduation. I think they may let them come back to walk in December, but all the 
students that put in a lot of hard work to, to walk across that stage in Carver Hawkeye Arena come May won't be able to do that now. And those of us that have been fortunate enough to graduate from college and do that know how big of a day that is for you and your family. And that, that just kind of sucks. So it trickles down through everybody um, being able to do that. So uh, we'll just kind of have to see how this plays out. I would assume you know, and there's also some talk, you know, if you're going to give the seniors an extra year in the spring sport, what about a junior or a sophomore who lost their season? Do they get an extra season or is it just, the, you know, the, the, the athletes that would have had their careers end? So it's still a little murky on how they're going to be able to, to figure that out. But I'll be interested to see. Um, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, somebody's going to get the short end of the stick, but hopefully it's as um, you know, they do the best, whatever they can for the student athletes. Sorry, I needed to take a drink dry mouth. I don't know what people on the radio do. I guess they, they wait for commercial breaks, but I don't have that. Or I will have a, I will take a, a pause for a sponsor here in a little bit. Um, maybe after a few more questions, but Jared Hartsock, do you think with the success of Garza this season, can Iowa land a top-rated big man in 21 or 22? It could. Josh Ogundali, who's coming in in the 2000 class, or 2020 class, excuse me, is a big man that's coming in. Right now, they're limited with scholarships in 2021. I, I talked about this on this podcast a few weeks ago. I believe they only have – um if you work it out, a scholarship, maybe two scholarships, but I know Peyton Sandiford, a wing uh, from Waukee is somebody that they really would like to keep in state in that 2021 class. But scholarships are real limited in the 2021 class. Uh, and I know there's another person uh, on our message board who asked about the 2021 class. Peyton Sandiford is really kind of the main in-state target right now for Iowa. Um, and then they have a lot of offers out elsewhere. They just don't have a lot of room. Uh, but as we know, there's attrition, uh, guys unhappy with playing time, transfer portal, what have you. So that could open up here over time, but, uh, we'll just have to see how that shakes out right now. There's just not a lot of room, Iowa. And I think it's fortunate has a really good young nucleus on its team. Um, that will, uh, that will carry it the next few years. Uh, Paul Weiskircher, Weiskircher, Paul Weiskircher, man, I'm just butchering names today. Um, I apologize, Paul, uh, Logan Lee going to play a lot of DN this year. How are the football players keeping in shape with the shutdown? I may have had this question from somebody else on the message board as well. Um, this, the, the second part of your, your uh, inquiry. Uh, Logan Lee worked at defensive tackle last year. I certainly could see him helping at defensive end. Uh, he's a good enough athlete. I think they would like to see him stay inside and help there, but it's all going to be dependent on who develops on at the end spots. And, you know, Iowa's had – you know, graduated seven starters over the last two seasons. So this is the year where that really, you, you really feel the impact of that and how much of the impact will be how some of these younger guys advance. And even a guy like Austin Schulte, you know, Davion Nixon, uh, Chauncey Golston. I mean, he's a given, but you want him to take that next step. And then there's guys like Joe Evans and John Wagner, uh, Van Balkenberg. There's a lot of guys that are going to need to step forward on that defensive line to, to, you know, 
prevent a, a precipitous drop-off uh, like we saw early in the season at tight end last year after Fant and Hawkinson left. So hopefully uh, they can plug the gaps a little bit, but I don't think they'd be afraid to move Logan Lee outside, but I think they'd like to see him in that interior defensive tackle rotation along with Schulte, Davion Nixon, um, and who's the other guy I'm forgetting? His face, Noah Shannon. I had his, I had his, his face in my mind and I just, his, his name was escaping me, but there's definitely, there's definitely depth there. It's just inexperienced depth and we'll have to see how it develops. How are football players keeping in shape with the shutdown? I've heard, uh, I think Chad Leistico for the register wrote a a story about this that I recommend you guys uh, reading uh, where, um, Chris Doyle is sending out some uh, workout routines for these guys while they're in quarantine, social distancing, what have you, and things are shut down with practice. They are, uh, he's, he's directing them on some different workouts and I'm sure they're probably positionally based. And a lot of these guys are, are used to working out by themselves anyway, through the years, uh, through high school and, and, you know, times where, you know, in the off season when their schedules, maybe not, uh, don't allow them to, to work out, you know, as a team they, they have ways of, of staying in shape. So the things that, the things that they miss is what I talked about earlier for, and, you know, in responding to a, uh, a previous question of, you know, just the practices lost the team activities and being able to develop in the spring. And that's such an important time of year at Iowa. Um, that's what's going to be hard to make up. But I, I think these guys will find ways to stay in shape. Thanks for the question, Paul. Brian Bud Rage, what happened to Val Barnes? And then Chip Hippen um, chimed in with a quick Google search, says he may be a youth coordinator for the Iowa Barnstormers. That sounds valid. I know Val's been around and he's been back for some reunions and things like that. I think he's just living life. That would be my answer to that question. Nathan Mers. And I think I have uh, some overlap questions from the message board here as well. Uh, is DJ Carton headed to Nebraska or do we get him back in state? I think if he comes in state, it's going to be Iowa state. I just, at this point from the people I've spoken with, I don't know if there's enough mutual interest on both sides between DJ and Iowa uh, for him to end up. And we've talked about this before. I've written about this on the message boards. Iowa is one over the scholarship limit as it is. If everybody comes back now from the current roster and with the five recruits coming in. Uh, so they're kind of in a roster crunch there scholarship wise. So if they were to add another one, they would be two over the limit. Um, and then plus you just have a full roster of people of players that, you know, is that attractive to DJ Carton to come in and try to, you know, and I know highly regarded recruit looked really good early on at Ohio state had to deal with mental health issues. And it may just be a thing for DJ Carton where I don't want to be in that fishbowl. If I'm having, you know, mental health issues, do I want to really have them magnified by the attention I'm going to get by transferring to Iowa? So that's also a consideration. And you've got, you know, a pretty deep backcourt. You're bringing in a point guard in Aaron Uless. Uh, You've got Joe Toussaint coming back as a sophomore. You still have Connor McCaffrey as a point guard. There's just a lot of depth there. Um, I'm just not sure, and I, I would be surprised at this point, and things change. I'm never shocked, but I do not see DJ Carton, DJ Carton ending up at Iowa as things stand today. 
Kevin Wall, how, how soon before Luca decides which way do you think he is leaning? Um, I, it's a good question. I have not talked to Luca about this. I did not want to bother him with this during the season. While they were going through the season, I wanted him to be able to concentrate on playing. Um, and it just didn't, and then the season got to the point where it just got cut off questions that probably we would have been able to ask later on. Uh, the season's no longer going on to ask those questions. So his dad's been, been quoted or talked about, you know, he thinks Luca's going to come back, but I've said all along, and I still think this is the case that he goes through the NBA draft process free of charge, gets worked out, gets feedback, and then decides after that, like Joe Wieskamp did last year, Peter Jock is done, Tyler Cook is done. Um, it's just, it's, it's a process. The thing with that is, is we've talked about in this podcast with the shutdown via the, you know, due to the coronavirus, how does that shape the NBA draft process? When does the season start again? When does the draft happen? When does draft prep happen? And how does that impact Garza? And I can't answer that question. If the window, obviously the window is going to be condensed, but is it condensed to the point where he doesn't get any interest or any looks? I'm not sure. I still think there's going to be interest there. He still has the possibility of playing overseas as well. Um, if there's a big money contract out for him there. And, but I could also see him coming back. I really don't have a feel either way, but I don't think a decision has been made. And I don't know how soon a decision will have to be made. I mean, at the earliest, June 3rd was the deadline for coming back to school if you went through the draft process. If it's extended into July, it could be even, you know, he, he could have even more time before he makes a decision. So I don't think we're going to hear anything soon, but I could be off on that. Luca may decide, hey, I'm coming back. I don't want to even think about the draft process. I just want to get ready for another season of college basketball. Don't see that happening, but you never know. At this point, let's take a little break uh, to pay the sponsors, pay the bills here. Sponsors pay us, I guess, but pay the bills. And uh, we'll be back with the HN Mailbag podcast after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back. Thanks again for joining us on the HN Mailbag Podcast Apologize if I'm not as energetic as I've been in the past on this podcast, but starting to drag a little bit. And uh, obviously the quarantine uh, has certainly affected me, as I'm sure it has you. And um, the sun hasn't shined much in Iowa City either, which doesn't help. Let's go to the questions on the football board first. That was it for Facebook, by the way, previous to uh, that commercial break. It finished up on that. Uh, Spider Rico asks, do you think there will be college football this year? I do. That's just me guessing. Um, but I think if we can all, um, you know, work together to flatten the curve, I think we can get to the point, um, of playing college football. And that may just be my optimistic outlook on it, but I do until told differently, 
I think there will be college football in some shape or form come this fall. Your second question from Spider Rico. There were some early lines released for PSU and OSU. Iowa plus four at PSU and plus 14 and a half at Ohio State. Thoughts? That sounds about right. They play pretty close with Penn State. Ohio State obviously is loaded. And if you've listened to the earlier part of this this podcast, I wonder how teams that recruit more ready-made recruits or more well-prepared for the season and how much this is going to hurt Iowa. Um, I don't gamble anymore, um, but uh, 14 and a half points seems like a lot at Ohio state and the four seems about right at Penn state. I'm not sure which way I would lean on that. And then question three from Spider Rico, how much do you think having no spring practice will stunt Petrus's growth? Do you think he can make up for lost ground in fall camp? Yeah, that kind of feeds into how I've answered that question before. Uh, it's hard to gauge or quantify how much it's going to stunt his growth, but he really could have used those. You know, it's not, I'm not breaking any news here, but he could have used those 15 practices. I think it even hurts, you know, a guy, you know, uh, you know, guys that depending on how much practice time they lose in the summer, but you look at an Alex Padilla in the spring and Deuce Hogan in the summer, how much development time do they lose because they're one injury away from playing as well. So I think it's a bummer for Petrus, but hopefully, as I said earlier, they can add in some developmental time. Maybe the NCAA can add in some developmental time during the summer. And it's going to be incumbent on these guys to get together even more in July and uh, do, you know, work on some seven on seven stuff, which they normally do, but maybe they have to pack some more in. Uh, CP 87. One thing I have noticed with Kleiman and Kansas state is that Iowa now seems to be butting heads with them a lot on the recruiting trail. Not only is Kleinman an upper Midwest guy, but I imagine they are looking for a lot of the same kids and athletes. How big of a recruiting rival do you think they become on par with Nebraska? I don't think I would go as so far as to say on par with Nebraska just because it's Kansas State. Um, and if you've been to Manhattan, Kansas, you know <laughs> that it's probably wise for Chris Kleiman to stay in the footprint in the area because it's going to be hard for him to uh, draw people from nicer parts of the country. Um, and that's not a knife. Somebody lives in Manhattan that's living, living was listening to this. I'm not trying to slam you, but it's not easy to rec- recruit to Kansas State. That's why what Bill Snyder did there was so remarkable. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good system. Clement's uh, had a ton of success. He's got good assistant coaches. Uh, I think he'll he'll have a solid program there. Um, he's going to dip into that Kansas city St. those St. Louis areas, the areas that Iowa's really you know tries to to. You know, harvest itself. So I think they will butt heads a lot, but you would hope that the guys that Iowa wants, it can get for the most part. It may end up losing some, but I think that, you know, you, you look at what, um, you know, Coach Campbell is doing at Iowa State, and, uh, you know, whereas Paul Rhodes didn't go head to head with Iowa for, for recruits, uh, Campbell is much more willing to do that. So you see them butting heads a lot more in recent times, and Scott Frost is not 
been shy about coming into Iowa for recruits and looking for recruits and offering recruits, whereas the, the previous coaching staffs at Nebraska did not do that as much. So, yeah, and then you have Missouri as well in that mix. So I think there'll be a lot of interesting battles in recruiting in this region. And uh, I think the Hawkeyes have a really good staff and they're doing, uh, they're doing a really nice job in recruiting. So I feel like be able to hold their own uh, going against the, uh, the rivals in this footprint. Uh, Number one, diehard Hawk on the Hawkeye nation message board. There have been hints that we may deviate somewhat from zone blocking scheme in favor of power scheme or some blended version. Is that the case? And if so, how has that affected how we approach strength and conditioning and recruiting along those lines? I'm not sure that that's something that you can just do overnight. I think if they do things like that, it'll be a, you know, a, a transition over time. And I don't think we're going to see just in a complete abandonment of zone blocking. I think they can, you know, incorporate some more hat on hat power schemes, things like that. Um, but I think there'll be just more, you know, more versions, maybe try to expand uh, the blocking schemes as opposed to eliminating and seeing how that goes. Um, it's just weird to even think about Iowa moving away from zone blocking, <laughs> but that's why I think it'll be more of a transition and they'll, they're going to kind of mix and match. And maybe this extra time during this off season or, or during this time when we're, we're, kind of, we're quarantined here, maybe the coaches are kind of, having more time to put their heads together and maybe come up with some idea, watch film, uh, maybe grab some ideas from other programs and, and, uh, and maybe see how they can incorporate things into what they do. And we saw some different things at the end of last year with jet sweeps and reverse actions and some ways to, you know, um, throw the defenses off. And I, and I wrote about this in one of my previews. I don't know if it was receiver or running back position previews that I've posted recently, just about being a le- less predictable and keeping the defense on its heels more. And I liked how Iowa was able to do that against Minnesota, Nebraska, and USC. Not so much against Illinois, and I thought that's why there was more of a struggle against Illinois when we kept trying to just bang that square peg into a round hole. So hopefully uh, we'll see now with Brian Ferentz getting a little bit more comfortable, we'll see a little bit more deviation, a little bit more variety on the offensive side of the football. Let's move to the basketball board on Hawkeye Nation. Uh, Let's see. What's the sad? uh, Brew Crew 3S, what's the status of the 21 recruiting class? Brew, I uh, touched on this earlier in the podcast. Not a lot of scholarships. Peyton Sandiford from Waukee is kind of the main uh, target right now for that. And we'll kind of have to see how this develops in terms of uh, you got five guys coming in in this current class and uh, you know, already a, f- uh, a full roster. So I would say 21 is not going to be a big class at all. Spider Rico jumped over to the basketball board after asking us questions on the football board. Uh, a way too early poll had Iowa at seven in the country, assuming Garza J. Uh, Wieskamp and Bohannon all return. Is that too high, too low, just about right? I certainly think Iowa can be a top 10 team. And with the amount of attrition you have in college basketball with guys leaving early to the NBA, if you have a roster at Iowa with guys like Garza in, in his fourth year, Wieskamp in his third year, Bohannon in his fifth year, that's just not common in college basketball these days. So that alone gives Iowa a chance to be one of the better teams in the country and certainly make a run at ending the, whatever it is, 40-year drought of uh, Big Ten regular season championships. 
Luca's dad is sending Twitter highlights of Luca's off-season workouts to Hawkeye fans. Do you think that might be an indication that Luca will return? Touched on this on an earlier question. I think that's still to be decided. I think that's just the way Luca works out. Assuming everyone comes back, do you think Connor will remain as a four like he did this year? He seemed to really thrive at the spot, and with Jabo and JT, Joe Toussaint available for the point, but only Nunji at the four. It seems like it seems to make the most sense. Thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Connor can just kind of slip. That's the great thing about Connor. You can slip him in at several different spots. He can play the one through four. Not and he's not like your typical three. He's not your typical four. He's not your typical two. But depending on matchups and who else you have on the floor, he can play those positions, and he certainly can defend multiple positions. So he's just awesome to have as a switch swish. Swiss Army Knife, easy for me to say. Husky 20 AS, some discussion on what you're hearing about DJ Carton in Iowa. Any attrition rumors for the current team? I've not heard any attrition rumors, and as I said earlier, the the abrupt end of the season and kind of uncharted territory that we're in right now of – you know, the, the shutdown of college sports, it's, you know, it's going to be hard to see a lot of movement. You see some guys going into the transfer portal here, but I think it'll be some time before the Iowa guys kind of get a chance to meet with coach McCaffrey, get a um, feeling of, of where they stand and what their role will be next year and then make decisions from there. I touched on the carton thing earlier in the podcast. Uh, As of now, I do not see him coming to Iowa. Um, I'm just the Iowa's lost uh, roster is full and, and just speculating, but DJ Carton is a guy who is dealing with mental health issues. I'm not sure he wants to jump into a fishbowl. That would be Iowa. If he were to transfer here, please see Oliver Martin. Let's see. TMS 1989 of the incoming freshmen. Who do you see getting most playing time next year? I will go with. It's probably for me. It's between Ulysses and Perkins. Um, I, it's hard for me to pick between those two. I think it's going to be those two, though. Even though there is a crowded backcourt, I think those two guys are the most ready right now. Uh, I could certainly see Ogundale, uh getting in there if Luca were to leave. Obviously, he becomes that much more important. Um, and uh, we'll just kind of have to see how this shakes out as we've talked about throughout this podcast. It's a pretty deep roster. Uh, so time will tell. We'll have to see kind of what guys look like when they get to campus and how they're practicing. Uh, also from TMS, who are you most intrigued to see play over the next year or two of that same group? I'm really intrigued by all these guys. And I know that's a cop out, so to speak, but I think the Murray twins, their best basketball is ahead of them. I think they continue to develop Aaron Eulis and Perkins made great strides this year, as did Ogan Daly. Uh, so I think that there's a chance for all these guys for me personally, most intrigued. I'm going to go with Eulis just because I'm a, I, he's just, he's interesting to me and in that he's a big point guard that does a lot of things really well if nothing real spectacular uh and just I, I i know how hard he works and that's not to take anything away from these other guys you you put you put me on the spot and had me you know ha- want me to pick a guy i'm going to say aaron Eulis. uh tms 1989 again with also how are jabo p mac and nunji recovering from their injuries and health concerns, all on track, TMS, and I think uh, no problems, at least at this point, with being back for next season. Obviously, Patrick is the one that's uh, 
you know, the most concerning because of uh, some of the unknowns with his health and recovery, but uh, have heard from him that uh, things are going well and he plans to be back next year. So hopefully that is the case because I think he brings a really exciting element to the roster of that group. Who do you think has the biggest impact next year? I will go with Bohannon, especially if Garza comes back. If you have another guy along with Wies camp, um, and, and C.J. Frederick with Bohannon able to stretch the defense that much and Luca ba- being able to step out. Just Bohannon, Bohannon's got an ability to play point guard as well in terms of distri- distributing. And his, I just to get Bohannon back next year is just a huge shot in the arm. And is, it, he'll be one of the best recruits in the conference. And you're welcome for the Mailback Podcast, T-Mess. Thank you for saying that. Uh, one Hawkeye one, what is this coaching staff doing with the COVID-19 pandemic going on? Are they allowed to meet with players either individually or in small groups? Can they visit recruits in person? Can they meet as a staff? All, um, team activities at the university per the big 10 have been, uh, halted, I believe till April 15th. So no, they cannot meet. And I'm sure the coaches have, contact through electronic means um, and much like the football program I'm sure guys are well we see how Luca's working out and guys can work out on their own and I know I I talked to Ryan Creener and he's shooting around obviously his his career at Iowa is done but guys can still go in and shoot around and uh, you know become you know work on their games that way they just can't they can't do it as team as in a, in a team. And I'm sure the staff is meeting in some ways, you know, through zoom, like I'm recording this podcast and a lot of people are using now for, for social interactions. Um, I'm sure they're, they're staying connected as best they can cannot visit recruits in person either. That has been shut down by the NCAA. So that is all in a holding pattern right now. TK serious, the love doctor um, checks in. Thank you, TK. What's the rundown of the Player of the Year awards given so far? Is the AP the only one that Luca hasn't won so far? What do you think happens with the awards still on the table? And if the AP is the only one that Luca doesn't win, what does that say about the AP? I don't really think I'll take the last one first. I don't think it really says anything about the AP just because um, – uh, I did some research here, and I know other people have, people have done research on this as well. But the Naismith is the most recent award. There are four, I think people would consider four major player of the year awards in men's college basketball. There's the Naismith, the Wooden, the Oscar Robertson, and the AP. The oldest is the Oscar Robertson, which was originally the U.S. Writer, US Basketball Writer Association of America was originally just the U.S. Basketball Writer Association of America Player of the Year, and that started in 1959. That is the oldest award. Uh, the AP goes back to the 61 or the 60-61 season. The Wooden started in 77, and then the Naismith started in 95. Um, so you're talking basically since 95, there have been – split votes between the four major awards four times in 95 joe smith won the naismith and the ap ed o'bannon won the wooden and the robertson in 03 tj ford won the naismith and the wooden david west won the ap and the robertson in 06 jj reddick 
won all of the awards, but he shared the Robertson with Adam Morrison. And then in 2016, Buddy Heal won the Naismith, the Wooden, and the Robertson, and Denzel Valentine of Michigan State won the AP. Um, so, so when you look at since 95, whatever that is, 25 years, it's happened four times. So a lot less likely that those awards are broken up. So far, Obi Toppin has won the AP and the Robertson. The Wooden and the Naismith are still to be announced, and they come out in April. At least that was the original schedule because the Robertson was scheduled to be April 13th, and it was released today. Uh, so they obviously bumped that up. I, I dug back a little farther than that. And you go back to 1977 when the Wooden Award came in. So you had the Wooden, the Robertson, and the AP Award all being awarded from 77 to through 94. You had three awards. And then 95, as I said, the Naismith jumped in. But from 77 to 91, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times where that award, where the three awards were split. 78, Phil Ford won the Wooden and Robertson, and Butch Lee won the AP. 1980, Mark Aguirre won the AP and Robertson, and Daryl Griffith won the Wooden. In 81, Ralph Sampson won the AP and Robertson, and Danny Age won the Wooden. 85, Chris Mullen won the Wooden and Robertson, and Patrick Ewing won the AP. 88, Danny Manning won the Wooden. Hersey Hawkins, Bradley fame, won the AP and Robertson. 89, Danny Ferry won the Robertson. Sean Elliott from Arizona won the Wooden and the AP. And in 91, Larry Johnson, Grandmama, won the Robertson and the Wooden. And Shaquille O'Neal won the AP award. So that was the, the times that the three awards were split. And then I didn't go back and do this and break this down individually um, like I did with naming the, the previous uh, breakdown, but from 61 to 76, which is when you would have had just the Oscar Robertson and the AP award. So 61 to 76, six times that award, the awards were split between those two where a, a, six times a different player won those awards. So a little bit of history there. So this is not really breaking any ground. And I would not say that I would just chalk up the Naismith and the wooden to Obi Toppin, but there are also a background here where uh, obviously um, there's plenty of cases where the same player has won all four awards. So we'll have to see how this thing shakes out. And as far as what um, the player of the year awards that uh, I'm looking this up right now, the player of the year awards that Garza has won to this point. Let's see here. He has won. Uh, I'm trying to find the most recent email here. He has won player of the year for, from sporting news, basketball times, stadium bleacher report and ESPN. So he's won one, two, three, four, five from various services. Again, I, I think most people recognize um, the other four, the Naismith wooden and Oscar Robertson and AP as the, the top four, uh, certainly nothing to sneeze at those other awards. They certainly have plenty of merit on their own. Uh, sorry. I, I jumped out of uh, the basketball board. Let's see here. Um, one Hawkeye one. We've all seen the workouts that Luca did all last summer, the massive improvement he made, but Connor also improved drastically. What did he do to improve his shot so much? How did he become such a great passer? Uh, 
124 assists to 27 turnovers is absolutely insane. I concur, and uh, it's glad to. I'm glad to see a Connor McCaffrey backer as opposed to a detractor, which we see plenty of, unfortunately. And uh, I think if you watch his game and watch how the team plays with him on the court, you would have a better appreciation for how good he is. If you are somebody uh, who is a detractor of Connor McCaffrey. But yes, one Hawkeye won. He got a lot of shots up. He just got a lot of shots up. And, and you know, uh, Kirk Sparrow, the Iowa assistant, is, is really good at working with players and their shots. So he's helped out some. But usually when you see a guy improve that much, it's usually just putting in the shots, putting up shots and getting in the work. Um, and I know guys like Joe Toussaint, uh, are working on their shots as well, guys that need to improve on their outside shot. And I thought we saw Joe Toussaint improve quite a bit with his outside shot this year. Yeah, and the assist-to-turnover ratio, which led the country, is, uh, yeah, it is insane. And that's just a coach's kid who understands the offense, understands angles, how the game is played, uh, just incredibly good at getting Luca Garza the ball where he wants it to in the post. I mean, you see a ton of times where Luca gets the ball, turns, and scores. That's because he's getting the ball in a place where he can do that. And a lot of that can be credited to Connor McCaffrey. And then SSC Kelly with the last question of the podcast, how do you eat your Oreos? I eat them whole. I do not pull them apart and do anything uh, creative. I just eat them whole. I don't like milk either, so I don't dip them in milk. So there you go. Hopefully that's some insight into my my world along with the stuff I spoke about at the top of the podcast. But I think that's a good place to wrap it up for today. Um, maybe we'll try to do this weekly. My plan for the off season was to do the mailbag every other week. Um, but we'll kind of see how this one goes. And it, it seems like uh, getting a good a lot of traction here and people are interested. Maybe we'll, we'll at least do this every week uh, while people are home and have, uh, you know, have more of a need for, for things like this to act as an escape while we're going through what we're going through in this country. But I appreciate everybody for listening as always. And uh, look out for those other two podcasts that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we've got one with Ed Hinkle, a Hawkeye history podcast and Jay Higgins prospect podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again.